0: Welcome to Master Your Relationship Mind Drama, teaching you how to manage your mind so that you can create relationships you love. And now, here's your host, certified relationship coach and expert in all things love, friendship and mind drama, Rebecca Orr. Hi guys, how's everyone doing? I'm feeling really good this week because in my group coaching program, Master Your Relationship Mind Drama, we're now on week seven and it's just amazing watching people in the Facebook group and on the live calls really grapple with these tools and put them into practice and have their own mini revelations on their own journey. It's just amazing. And it's one of my favorite things about coaching is watching so many different people take back control over their own minds people that I'd never even met or known existed, and getting to work with them and watch them take that control back and feel so much better in their own brains is just absolutely incredible. And this particular group is a really, really supportive group of people. Everyone is just cheering everybody on in the Facebook group and being really supportive on the live calls. Not that other rounds haven't been supportive, everyone's always lovely and supportive, but there's just such an energy on these calls where people are really encouraging each other to be vulnerable and holding space for that vulnerability which is just amazing because that really is how we get the best results from this work. And so when I was thinking about what to talk about this week I decided I wanted to do a bit of a summary of what I think are some of the key do's and don'ts for those learning how to manage their minds and for those at the start of their journey. Of course, this summary is not all-encompassing. There will definitely be things I've missed out and things you could add in, but these are the key sticking points that I find myself coaching my clients on most often when they're first trying to do thought work and utilize what I teach. So let's dive in and let's start with the (laughs) do's. So number one, do write down your thoughts. (laughs) I say this to my group members and one-on-one clients until I'm blue in the face. We cannot do thought work in our head, especially when we're first starting out. We have to really get our thoughts out of our brains and in front of us to look at. This is the whole point of this work, to separate yourself from your thinking and look at it objectively. If you're not writing your thoughts down, you're gonna make that job a lot harder for yourself. So grab a pen and paper and really write them all out. We call this doing a thought download, So you could write down all of your thoughts about a particular situation or a person or just literally what's in your head in that very moment. Whatever it is, just get it out in front of you onto a page. Number two is do separate facts from thoughts. (laughs) When we're looking at our thoughts, your brain is going to believe that a lot of what you've written down is just a fact. (laughs) She's being rude. They don't like me. I just feel like they don't care about me. I'm never good at anything. This is so unfair. Your brain will say these sentences to you as if it's just stating a fact, like it's observing and reporting the reality and that's just the way it is, but it isn't. (laughs) And thoughts and facts are two very different things. Facts are undeniable and proven to be true. Think of them as things that everyone involved would 100% agree with, 100% of the time. (laughs) That they could maybe be proven in a court of law. They're free of opinion and interpretation and assumption. So when you're looking at your thoughts, it's important to then separate out what are the actual facts going on here? What are the facts of what's happened or happening? For example, my partner's ex has liked his picture on social media. It's a fact. If we can see that she has press like if we can see that the like has happened. Okay, that's a fact. My partner's ex is trying to get him back is not a fact, as that's just your interpretation of what that like means. You actually have no idea if that's true. Your brain believes it is and is trying to convince you that it is, but the only fact you have right now is that she liked the picture. And the reason why doing this regularly is so important is because this work is all about taking control of and managing your thoughts, but that's impossible to do when you believe all your painful and helpful thoughts are just facts of the universe, because we can't change facts. So number three, do understand how your C's are neutral. (laughs) For those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about when I say your C, (laughs) I'm talking about your circumstance. And if you're a client of mine, you'll know about a tool we use called the model, which separates out the facts, which we call the circumstance, from our thoughts, feelings, actions, and our results. So whatever your C is, whatever your circumstance is, as in whatever the facts are that you've uncovered, we want to really help our brains understand how those facts are actually completely neutral. And I know, they will not feel neutral, (laughs) You're going to have so many thoughts and feelings about the circumstance that it won't feel neutral at all. But the idea is to understand that the facts themselves are just facts. They just exist. Husband said, I'll be late home. It's just a neutral fact. Susan didn't come to my wedding. It's just a neutral fact. My dad said, I don't like your haircut. (laughs) That's a neutral fact. As in, it just is. Human man says words. Human woman didn't attend event are all just neutral things happening in the world until a human brain, your brain, thinks about them and interprets them to mean something. And I always think of this example with my cat. My cat once brought in a bird and it was a tiny little baby bird and it was alive but very badly injured. Now, to me and my fiance, this was heartbreaking it was not neutral at all. (laughs) We had so many thoughts about it, about how its family would be looking for it, about how scared it must be, how much pain it must be in. And we tried to save it, which also involved my fiance naming it Peggy. (laughs) But that's a whole other story and it's kind of irrelevant. But my point is, to my cat, this whole event was totally neutral. She saw the baby bird lying there in pain, scared and felt nothing. It just was it was neutral. She felt no guilt, no sadness, no shame. It wasn't until me and my fiance had thoughts about it, about how awful it was, that an emotion was created. And of course, this doesn't mean that we want to feel neutrally about all circumstances. That is not what we're trying to get at here. I didn't want to feel neutrally about the little bit's death. And we want to feel sadness and grief and disappointment about so many of the things happening in our lives and around the world. But by separating out the neutral facts, we then get to decide on purpose how we want to think and feel about them intentionally. And a lot of the time, your brain is going to want to resist the reality of your circumstances. It's going to want to change them in order for you to feel better, which makes us feel incredibly powerless and stuck when we aren't able to change the facts of things happening in our lives or the ways that people are acting. But you don't ever have to change the facts of a situation that isn't within your power to change in order for you to take ownership of your mind around it, in order for you to feel better or more in control or more empowered. You only need to challenge and change the way you're thinking about it. Okay, number four, be curious. Once you've separated out the facts of the situation and you've identified your thoughts about those facts, pick one thought and notice how that thought makes you feel. What emotion does it create? Is it anger, sadness, anxiety? Identify the emotion and then get curious. Ask questions and write down what comes up. For example, let's keep the circumstance of the partner's ex liking his social media picture. Get curious and ask, so what? Why is that a problem? What am I making that mean? That will give you a thought that you're thinking about it. Maybe she's trying to get him back. Again, Take that thought and question it. Ask yourself, is that really true? How might it not be true? What else could be true that my brain isn't considering here? And then ask yourself, so what if that is true? What then? Because even if that thought was true and was a fact, it would then be a neutral circumstance in your model for you to have thoughts about. X is trying to get boyfriend back. So get curious. Why would your brain think it was a problem, even if it was true? What is it most afraid of here? The point of getting curious is to really understand your brain and your thinking about that circumstance in front of you and to poke holes in what you find and challenge the sentences your brain is telling you. This is something you will learn how to do in much more detail if you join the next round of Master Your Relationship Mind Drama, my group coaching program. So if you're struggling with this, if you're getting stuck, Don't panic, just listen to the end and I'll tell you all about the next round. Okay, let's move on to some don'ts. (laughs) Number one, don't be in a rush to feel better. And I know that might sound strange. You might be thinking, but Rebecca, I want to use thought work to change my thoughts and feel better, that's the whole point. (laughs) But actually feeling better isn't the point. Feeling better is often the byproduct of choosing how we want to think and feel intentionally, but it's not the sole purpose. And where I see a lot of my clients going wrong is they feel a negative emotion that they don't like, maybe anxiety, maybe shame, and they want to escape it. So they frantically rush to write down their thoughts and do a model and try to change what they're thinking to just to try to escape this pain. They're being driven by this urgency. And the problem with that is it doesn't allow you the time and space to actually slow down and get really curious. Remember, getting curious is one of the main things that we need to do when we're doing thought work. We need to be able to sit and be curious about our current way of thinking, understand it and pull back the layers of it and really get to the root of it. Question it and create wiggle room around the belief or around the thought. We aren't able to do this when we're frantically trying to get from A to B. (laughs) And even if you were to try and offer yourself a better feeling thought... If you haven't already slowed down and gotten curious about the original thought and shown your brain how it isn't actually a fact and it isn't actually true, that new thought is unlikely to stick anyway, because you're still convinced that the opposite is a factual representation of reality. So don't be in a rush. Slow down. Which leads me to number two. (laughs) Don't resist your emotions. And this one goes hand in hand with the last one. Because it's resisting and being unwilling to feel our emotions that makes us want to rush to feel better in the first place. So we need to actually be fully willing to feel whatever it is that's coming up for us. Whether that's sadness or guilt or shame or anxiety or disappointment. We have to be willing to feel the vibrations and sensations of those emotions in our bodies fully without trying to escape them. And as humans, we are very, very good at trying to escape negative emotion. We have so many great ways to do it, like scrolling on social media, buffering with food and alcohol and drugs and sex. (laughs) We have so many fun ways to avoid having to feel our feelings. But for a minute, I want you just to imagine what it would be like if when those sensations came up in your body, what if you didn't panic and try to run away from them? What if you noticed where they were and just sat watching them for a while, observing them? breathing around them and giving them full permission to hang out with you as long as they needed to. This is so important when doing thought work because when you're not able to feel your emotions, you're never going to be able to fully understand them. I'll drop a link for my free processing emotions meditation into the show notes of this episode because this is where I really walk you through how to process an emotion. So it's going to be really useful for those of you that know you struggle with this. Okay, number three. Don't use thought work from a place of self-judgment and shame. For example, maybe you're thinking, I didn't like how I acted, so if I change myself, I can stop feeling so ashamed. And of course, we want to use thought work to work on how we show up in our relationships and to show up in ways that we like, that makes total sense. But doing this from the motivation of shame is never going to be useful, because shame is just created by mean, self-critical thoughts about you and shame will never help you become more of who you want to be. Think about it, if the goal of thought work is to be curious and understand yourself and your brain on a deeper level, is shame going to really help you do that, or is it going to block you? How curious and understanding can you be when you're calling yourself a bad person or an idiot or whatever else your brain is saying to you? The key is to clean up the thought creating the shame first. So if you notice you're having judgmental thoughts about yourself, your thoughts, or your behavior, take a minute to do thought work on those thoughts. (laughs) I just said thoughts a lot. (laughs) But get curious about them. Challenge them. Call them out and consider how else you could choose to speak to yourself right now. Judgment is the exact opposite of curiosity, which means we can't be curious about something we're judging the hell out of. If you showed up in a way that you didn't like, you can't really be like, okay, I wonder what was going on for me when I did that. I wonder what thoughts were driving me. When you're so busy beating yourself up. What I teach all of my clients is how to be a compassionate observer of their brain. How to compassionately observe what's going on in their mind without any judgment or shame. Which leads me to number four. Don't judge or shame yourself for whatever you find during your thought work. In my group coaching program a few of my members have said things like I feel so stupid for thinking this or I'm embarrassed I'm still having these kinds of thoughts and noticing the judgment there is so so important and I always remind my clients you didn't choose how your brain was programmed to think. The way your brain thinks right now is down to so many influencing factors like your family history, your parents and upbringing, the society you've grown up in, cultural beliefs, religious teachings, Earliest memories, traumatic events, your biology, the people you spend time with. All these things impact the messages and beliefs that your brain has absorbed. And they're things that we have zero control over. So beating yourself up for your default thoughts is kind of like beating yourself up for having a kidney problem. (laughs) You didn't choose to have the kidney problem and you didn't choose the programming you currently have in your brain. You only get to choose how you respond to that programming and how you want to choose to intentionally reprogram it. thoughts and beliefs you want to choose to think on purpose. So rather than judging yourself, be curious and fascinated by what you find in your brain. Like, huh, my brain thinks that this means that. Interesting. I wonder why. I wonder what else might be an option here. And a phrase I love to use, which I heard from one of my favourite coaches, Cara Lowenthal, is how very human of me. Whenever you notice your brain is offering unhelpful thoughts, remind yourself. Yep, this is what it is to be a human. All human brains do this. How very human of me. And finally, number five, don't expect to think a thought once and for it to stick. Part of this work is coming up with new and intentional ways of thinking. And I've talked about in other episodes, how we need to find believable thoughts that feel true when we think them, not just pie in the sky, nice sounding affirmations. They actually have to create an emotion when we think them. So I help my clients come up with these thoughts and we call them ladder thoughts or neutral thoughts. And some of my clients will come up with a new thought that feels good and feels a lot better when they think it. And then naturally their brain goes back to that old unhelpful thought, that old painful thought. And then they feel very defeated. They think it's all gone wrong and something hasn't worked. But you can't just think a new thought once and expect that to be your brain's new default. Brains are wired through repetition just think of how often you've thought your unhelpful thoughts, likely thousands of times across years and maybe even decades. In order to create a new neural pathway and a new thought pattern in your brain, you have to intentionally think your new thought over and over, like lifting weights, doing reps with it. And don't panic, it's not going to create decades for it to start showing up on its own. It could be a few weeks or months. But the more you commit to practicing it and thinking that thought over and over on purpose, the more it's going to become a habit for your brain, a new default way of thinking and feeling. Okay guys, that's all I've got for you today and I hope it was helpful. The next round of my group coaching program, Master Your Relationship Mind Drama, is going to be opening its doors in December. And in order to make sure you don't miss out, you're going to want to go and get yourself on the waitlist. So I'm going to drop the link with all the details about the program and the link to the waitlist in the information section of this episode. So definitely go and check that out. And can I ask you all to do a little something for me? Could you go ahead and give this podcast a rating on whatever platform you're listening from? This is how I can keep reaching more and more people and spreading the word of this work. Okay guys, have an amazing weekend and I'll speak to you all next week. Bye. If you're loving this podcast, you can also hang out with Rebecca on Instagram and TikTok at Rebecca or coaching. Don't forget to sign up to her email list for exclusive freebies and for more information on her one-to-one and group coaching programs.